0: My name is Joshua Edward Wright. I was imprisoned in Portland, Oregon, United States for 50 months, and during that time I realized that not a lot of people know what we go through, so what I will be offering is personal narrative in the hope that the listener will be able to realize the validity of the statement that no human being belongs in a cage. Welcome. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast, The Exiled Voice. Today, I have with me Beatzilla PDX. Beatzilla, you want to introduce yourself?
1: Hello, everyone. I am Beatzilla PDX. Uh, actually, Beatzilla PDX official, if you're looking for me. Um, and, you know, I did uh, about, yeah, let's see, about about 15 months in total. That's uh, about a month jail time, and a say uh, the rest of it was prison time. From 2017 to uh, just getting out last September, so I'm almost on my. Uh, actually, two days, two days away from my anniversary.
0: Hey, a lot of people don't have a release date, so it's always good to remember that when we get out. Um, if you want to take us through, you know, your arrest and process of of going from the streets to being imprisoned, um, anything you
1: want to share, we'd love to hear about it. Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, with with my situation, you know, I, I was, I guess, for all intents and purposes, for the most part of my life, all, all of my life, uh, a citizen. I've always been involved with the uh, social acts, activism piece. I think with that also added fuel to the fire of my situation. Uh, so it, it came down to a situation to where I, uh, I was ended up getting attacked from behind by pepper spray nonetheless. Uh, and ended up defending myself, legally with the firearm, might, might I have. uh because I, I had no record. Uh, so uh, shot him in the leg. However, uh, good DA at the time. We have a new DA now, but the DA at the time, uh, along with maybe some influence from a, a higher local power to uh, put some pressure on the fact that uh, this black man legally shot a white man that was attacking him. Uh, so, needless to say, I went through that whole system. I dealt with the the metro public defender, who basically is an offshoot branch of the DA. Um, so they basically worked in cahoots. And uh, so instead of fighting my case, just dealt me. Uh, now that I look back over my case, you know, even with uh, the people I dealt with at the prison, even uh, to my PO, uh, all say, you know, I've never even should have been charged. But with that being said, uh, I still lived the experience nonetheless. Uh, So, you know, you're not treated any differently. You know, now people may look at me and I guess say, well, okay, well, he's going to be less trouble. But, uh, you know, when I got to jail, when I first got booked, they put me out at Inverness. The coldest thing that they did to me when I first got to jail, man, which I, I, I hear is different. They sent me straight to the hole. So they housed me in the hole. There was no incident, they just housed me in the hole. You know, again, I, there was some political situations tied to my case and they they definitely made sure I felt it every step of the way. Um, and then they moved me to Unit 13. So if anybody has been in a uh, Multnomah County lockup at Inverness level Unit 13, is basically the Measure 11 unit, which you're in there with all the murders. So uh, it's basically the uh, the the early bus that's going to be going upstate to OSP. <laughs> that's a, that's an old for who who does don't know what that is. OSP is Oregon State Penitentiary, uh, the place where no one wants to be. So yeah, that's uh, pretty much how like my case went. Uh, it did take time because they, uh, they switched off because uh, they believed that it was going to be a big political thing. But I tried to kind of minimize that, which maybe I shouldn't have in hindsight. But uh, I know now. <laughs> so, you know, I did the whole plea deal, uh, which, you know, that was an interesting thing. I had a conference with a judge who actually offered a better deal. Than what the DA or yeah, what the DA wanted, and uh, I I jumped at it. I was like, well, yeah, I take that right now. Uh, but of course, they were like, no, 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 no. We need more time out of him for this. He's escalating. This is my only situation ever, man. That's how I got in. Uh, once I got to CRCI, it was okay. Uh, CRCI, uh, which is Columbia River uh, Correctional Institution and i asked of course you go into intake so i guess when you back up you first go in through intake which is at coffee creek um of course because i was a first time offender they put me on uh, a so i was in there with everybody all the newbies uh, it's all our first time going to prison uh, so that was real laid back you're pretty much on lockdown for 30 days on the 30th day they sent me up here to portland uh And, you know, I got with everybody that, you know, seeing some familiar faces, unfortunately, but fortunately, basically tried to put myself in the mode of uh preparation, but utilizing the time as well, uh just to fine tune my mind.
0: Yeah, I've shared this in a previous podcast, but when I was arrested, I was placed immediately into 23 hour lockdown, single cell, you know, solitary confinement. And I was, you know, right across... Came from college with people who you know, fresh off of a murder, from the street, and um, it's, it's a really weird experience. You know, staring across your cell at another cell, someone who literally just you know murdered someone and was brought in. And but I mean, the prison that I that I went to, um, you know, offered a lot of programs, and so. And we also had a lot of visiting going on and other things that made it pretty unique as a prison. Um, You know, did you do any programs or, you know, and how was, if you had that, like we had a little kiosk that we could do electronic visits occasionally if people could afford it. But uh, did you do any of that? And and how was, you know, those programs and stuff? And what did you do when you were in?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Well, I'll start first uh, with the programs. So with the programs that uh, CRCI has, because it's a relief facility, uh, there's a lot more programs to help people get acclimated to uh, uh, reinsertion or uh, your transition back into society. Um, and for me, so I got with uh, a couple groups with uh, of course, uh, Liberation Literacy and uh, Phoenix Rising were two of the groups and then also going home uh, with Mike Fessler. With those groups, um, you know, and I, of course, I've, I was c- connected because I'm born and raised in Portland. So, uh, you know, with our community that we had in there from, you know, my actual side of town, uh, that, that was definitely helped because you have like, you know, some kind of support system because Oregon is a big state. Um, but of course, anybody that knows about Oregon knows that majority of the Black people are in Portland. Uh, so all of our family is here. So, I, you know, with the visiting aspect of it, man, when I was in Coffee Creek looking at the brochures, because, you know, you depending on how you test and your charge and how long you're doing, you can, you might have a little leeway to kind of suggest where you want to go. Um, and they, they do take that into consideration if you really haven't pissed anybody off. And so they sent me back up to Portland. I was close to my wife and my kids. Uh, and and everybody else uh, literally like minutes away from people I know's homes like you know they're like right up the street from me so um, and just to drive back from uh, Wilsonville back into the city uh, although I know I'm about to start my my stint it was just good to know I was home you know what I mean and that much closer to being home Uh, so the visits there because the visits are, there's only two nights that do do not have visits at Columbia River, which is pretty much unlike majority of the prisons uh, in the state of Oregon. So the visits, I mean, you know, and it's on the weekends, it's twice a day. On the holidays, it's twice a day. Uh, You get a good solid three hours, especially if you come at night, you get your real time in, uh, because you get the six to nine shot and uh, it's just nothing but time. You got TVs up there, games and whatnot. It, it is definitely, and you're not talking to anybody through glass. So you're actually at a table with your family. You got your babies there. Uh, they even have toys and stuff for the children. Uh, so, you know, you'll be in there just hearing the the, the sound of normalcy for a real quick visit. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it, it definitely helps, man. <laughs> it definitely helps, because, you know, after that, we here's what the bad part that, and I guess, I don't know if people have said this before, sometimes your number comes up when you're coming out of a visit, and that means that you're going to go get strip searched right after your visit. So, you know, it's just loves, hugs, and kisses, and love you, and love you, I'll talk to you later, and you go straight off into the intake room, and it's, uh, you know, it's the full routine, just as if you just walked in the door. Uh so, <laughs> so if anybody has been through that or has heard the stories of what that is, that is just what that is. And then you go back up to your room for count, uh, and then you know, uh eat eat the, the, the crap that they got in the in the the greasy spoon. Uh but that that'll pretty much be it. I mean, but it does help you get through your day, it helps you get through your week, it just helps you get through your time and as well as the kiosk because uh, I've seen people have visits in the day and then do a kiosk visit at night. You know, you have so much accessibility, especially if you can afford it, that most places probably wouldn't have. But again, you know, Columbia River is a release facility, so they're trying to get you into the normalcy of being around uh, people. Because I will say, going to go, go, that visiting room, It'll probably be the closest to prepare anyone for stepping into a grocery store coming out of prison.
0: So to touch on some things for the audience that Beatzilla mentioned, Phoenix Rising Transitions is a mentor leadership training group used to go into Columbia River Correctional Institution uh, twice a week, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that focuses on like using esoteric psychology and intentional conversation as a means of transformational change, kind of like a very relational uh, group. And it, it actually goes a long way towards making us feel human. Um, they bring in outside volunteers from the street, and particularly nurses, and you just have conversations. Of course, they're prompts. There's, it's not really any small talk, but it's, it makes you feel like people value what you have to say and value your opinion and, and kind of see your humanity again. And on on the outside, I'm I'm the president of the board of Phoenix Rising Transitions, um, and that happened after I got out. Um, I was involved with them for over three and a half years when I was in prison, um, and I've I've been involved since. Um, I've been out over over two years now. Um, another thing you mentioned is liberation literacy, and that's as as I mentioned in previous podcasts, I believe is is a. Organization that I also um, started my second year of prison with an outside volunteer named Dr. Garrett Felber. Um, and that's based on racial justice and prison abolition and on the idea of kind of weaponizing education and not to attack people, but rather to defend um, us from kind of the system. And so we can kind of stay out of it. And it's very communal. It's, we discuss things um, in a more in-depth manner um, as a regular part of the class, we, we discuss books at length, um, very, you know, serious kind of nonfiction books. And um, another thing that he mentioned is is visiting, and I worked in visiting for about a year um, out of the four, a little bit over four years that I did, and, you know, there's little things that we do, because we're still in prison like everyone else getting visits, but they started mandating strip searches for all the employees. So there was three of us uh, that, that worked in visiting. And they, after probably, I don't know, three months of working there, they started saying that all three employees had to get strip searched at the end of every visiting session. And there's sometimes two sessions a day. Um, and, and visiting is open five days a week and so I would be you know we'd be cleaning toys and you know handing out games to people and, and answering people's questions and showing you know the people coming from the streets to their table and you know letting them know anything that they inquired about basically and I like like Beetzilla was mentioning just seeing all this positivity um, and then at the end of the end of the shift they're like you know everyone's saying goodbye and, and hugging each other and stuff like that and it was all happy, and then they're like okay strip searches you're going you're going you're going and then they're like randomly chose choose people from, the prisoners side of things that just had visits also, and so like at the end of something so pure and positive we'd get strip searched and for the audience, um, what a strip search is is you, you go over to intake, and you go over into a little like a clothing stall. And you get completely naked, and you turn to face away from them by order, and you, like, bend over completely, and you spread your butt cheeks, and you cough a few times, and if they're, they they don't touch you, but, like, and if they're satisfied, they're like, okay, you can get dressed, and then you can go back to your unit. It's really uncomfortable, of course, and it's, it's... Like, it's, it's not necessary because the design is to prevent contraband from coming into the prison. And we have, like, if we wanted to bring in contraband, then we have so many other ways of doing so. So it's not like, you know, that per really prevents anything if we actually wanted to bring in something. Um, but going off of that, I just love to hear about how your release was. Another thing I always love to hear about is I remember going into prison thinking it was about survival and I wouldn't really ever be comfortable with people and, and uh, certainly not make any friends. But over time, like there's a lot of people that I got really, really close with. And those bonds transcended release. Um, so both of those things I'd love to hear about if you want to want to share your, your perspective on those things.
1: You know, it I would definitely say uh Again, because I'm 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 born and raised from North Portland, man. I'm I'm I was born in Best Kaiser, which is now the Adidas Campus. Uh, so everybody that's like from this, we have a really close connection because our community is so small. Uh, so some of, of, course, some of the people I already knew, and then I'm meeting other people that are connected to other people I know. So we we kind of just became uh, family. You know, for me, I'm one of those kind of no nonsense guys. So, uh, you know, now definitely I'm, I'm in contact with people. But when people ain't doing what they're supposed to be doing, that's when you don't hear from people. Uh, however, I definitely will say, uh, you know, I think they all understood where I stand. Uh, so there's a lot of people I have a lot of love for, very close friendships, because, you know, being with you're living with somebody every day. You really aren't gonna have uh, any breaks from being around these people. So all you do is get to know your neighbor, and so you know from your from your bunkie uh, to to the people that you're hanging with, to the people that you eat with, uh, to the people you you may be playing cards with, or in and if you were in the honor dorm, you may be playing video games with, and and these may not even be people that you would have normally even been hanging with, but. The, you know, I wouldn't even call it desperation really it's just that we're we're in the moment of truth because there ain't nowhere to run there ain't nowhere to hide and you can't hide yourself. In that place for too long before people who see what you really are. So if you come in as a man and you or woman, whatever you're doing um, and you come in knowing yourself you'll be all right you know it'll be a stressful time but you know it you won't find yourself in so much conflict because anybody know about me i'm I'm not really the man for conflict i don't i'm not involved in that uh of course if you want to find it you could find trouble Uh, but if you really don't want it you, you don't have to be involved uh fortunately for me i've had people that have done time before me so when i was going and i had a little bit of uh clarity on uh where i was headed and so i faced it uh like that uh so when you know when it started getting time for me to go home man you start getting down to the the 90 days and you start getting down to the 60 days and then it hits 30 and it's like wow it's it's scary because it's not that you're fearing going home it's like man what if they what if they find something else just to keep me here longer? And it's like, cause you're getting so close, like, oh uh, it's almost too good to be true, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And then the, the moment they wake you up and hey, uh, you know, you guys going going down, bruh. <laughs> oh man, it's like one of the happiest feelings in the world, man. Uh, I was up early in the morning, got in the shower, got dressed. I was like, man, I'm ready to go out here, get get into my, my clothes, and I'm changing out. And fortunately for me, um, one of the COs that I I preferred to deal with was actually working on intake that day, and got me out and said, I'm going to get you out of here really quick. So just give me a moment. I'm going to get you out of here. And man, I, probably within about 30 minutes, man, I was getting buzzed out first one getting buzzed out the second one man and it was uh, it's like a sigh of relief because you can literally like see something from the left to the right you know it it was you know it's like uh it's one of the hugest breaths of fresh air Uh, and then seeing the people that come out to pick you up him was there uh mike fesser was there uh, and so those are two friendly faces I've seen right out the gate. Uh, and then just got my day started. Uh, Fester brought me to my house, uh, being able to, to walk back in my doors, that was a, a really, really cool thing, man. Even though I had to like, I was, I was moving that day. Cause it was the first day of your release, they got you running. Uh, but just to be able to walk in and see my wife, see my son uh you know like ah damn i'm home it's a it's hard to explain feeling man it's like being chained and then finally they just like push you out the door now fortunately for me i i had a place to go but i do want to i do want to be mindful to mention that uh not everybody is as fortunate as uh, maybe me or yourself um because some people get pushed out that gate and go straight under a bridge it's a bittersweet thing for some people because they're leaving a place to where they were housed. Uh, It could be December 20th, you know, and they're pushing them out the door like, Hey, here you go. Here's a bus ticket. Good luck. You could leave with whatever you had on your books if you had anything. Uh, But if not, yeah, once you're outside of that gate, they do no longer care unless you're on like trans leave or something. But if you're just doing flat time, you're on your own and yeah. you're on your own immediately. Yeah. So yeah, I just like, cause I mean, I, I don't wanna make it sound too sensational because yes, I had a place to go to, but there are people that are not in this situation that are still getting released just like us. It could be a bad thing.
0: I really appreciate you touching on that. There's a lot of people that got out to nothing. Like, absolutely, like literally nothing. And Columbia River Correctional Institution, the place I did the majority of my time, I did 50 months, 46 months of that was spent at Columbia River. Like people would get out at least one one person every day, but it's more like two to three people, like five days a week. And a lot of those people are getting out to like go live under a bridge. And the only thing that they give you, the only thing that they're required to give you is a bus ticket because they, they need you to go to the Mead building to check in with your par- parole officer downtown Portland. And so like that's the bare minimum that, that they do and that's usually all that they offer. People getting out and they, they have bills to pay, they have sometimes children to feed, they have people to provide for in, like the day they're out. And so a lot of people go back to what we kind of criminalize in this culture, in this society, because that's, that's what they know, that's what they're good at and that's what pays the bills. And since they have such few opportunities when they get out, that's what they're going to do. And then, of course, we criminalize them for doing so. And then, of course, we blame them and then they come back to prison. And I mean, there's people that did two or three sets sometimes in the one set that I did at, that, at Columbia River at that release facility. You know, it's, it's not their, their fault most of the time. It's, of course, it's their decision you know to go back to that lifestyle but like what other alternative do we give them what else are they supposed to do and so i just you know i really want the audience to keep that in mind is is we don't set people up to succeed we set people up to fail yeah i mean that's that's basically the interview and i i just really appreciate you bringing all that stuff up and and you being here is there any final words you want to say or anything you want to leave the audience with before we wrap up
1: uh yeah you know uh again my name is uh beatzilla pdx you could get me a beatzilla uh, pdx official i have a podcast you can find that on itunes spotify uh you know i'm on twitter beatzilla pdx pretty pretty much on every platform you can find me on beatzilla pdx and you know i guess my message to everybody will just be look at everybody with a real eye so who they are May not be what they have done. You know, of course, that may not cross all circumstances. Uh, however, make sure you are actually investing in who that person is uh, versus what you think they may be. Because uh, you would find that a lot of people have a uh, lot more to offer. Because, you know, it, while being in prison, you learn, uh, you know, people are writers, people are, are poets, people are like super mad talented artists. Uh, But don't have any opportunity or uh, avenue to even get those creative opportunities out their system, except for having the time on their hands to do it in prison. I would just say, just look at everybody with an honest eye, uh, because that way you always know what you're you're dealing with. And you're also building solid relationships and friendships. And uh, I think that would show people they could trust you. Because, uh, you know, uh, it's a lot of trauma that comes with getting out of prison, coming home. Uh, so just be mindful that people are dealing with trauma. Everybody deals with it differently. Uh, so just, you know, be honest uh, and let them be honest with you. Thank and you it. so
0: much, man. I appreciate it.
1: No problem. No problem. I'm glad to be here.
0: I want to thank Beatzilla and everyone out there listening. We'll see you next time.